Welcome to This Girl Puts Out. I'm your host, Carm Macaretta, and I interview real women with real stories about real life stuff. I'm inviting you to laugh, cry, and connect with my guests as they share some of their most impactful life experiences, from their brightest moments to their darkest hours. For more stories and an opportunity to share your own, visit me at thisgirlputsout.com. Welcome everyone to This Girl Puts Out. I'm your host, Carm. Thanks for joining us today. Today, we are going to be talking to Andrea Castrino. She is a local entrepreneur. She is a self-taught photographer. She is the owner of Andrea Castrino and Co. Portrait Photography. Andrea is also a certified teacher. She's a wife. She's a mom and an inspiration to me. And I think a lot of other women, which is why I asked her to be on our podcast today. Andrea's story is one of finding purpose, but as it is for many of us women, she took the long road. She took the long windy way around to get to where she is today. She suffered from many of the limiting thoughts and beliefs that a lot of us women do as we're going through life and career and our personal stories. And so I'm watching this woman that I've just met recently go from successful entrepreneur to motivational speaker. I feel like her message is very raw and very real and something that needs to be shared because there's not a girl I know that hasn't had some of the thoughts and feelings that she's going to share with us today. So I'd like to welcome Andrea Castrino. Good morning. My goodness, what an introduction. <laughs> and you you said yes the first time I reached out to you to share a story on my blog. And you said yes without hesitation. And that just tells me that you are a generous, generous woman. And so you sharing your story is um, is a very wonderful, selfless, generous thing. So thank you for being here. Um, oh, you're welcome. I'm happy to be here. And by the way, there was there was a bit of a pause. It was an email, so I did have a moment to say to myself, um, "Is this is this something that you really want to do?" And I had to kind of fight against a lot of limiting beliefs that I have about myself as a writer and about somebody that has something to say that could inspire others. So there definitely was a pause. But like you said, I've created a mindset for myself within the last couple of years that allowed me to do it anyways to push through that fear and say to myself, this is scary and this is vulnerable and I'm not sure if I can do this perfect, right? Because that's what my brain always says, but I did it anyways. Doing it scared is something that I've had to teach myself the last couple of years. Before we get into more about, you know, those limiting beliefs, tell us a little bit more about yourself, your life, who you are and your life growing up. Well, I'm Andrea. I'm currently 40 years old, which seemed like such a big number when I was younger of what 40 was going to look like. It sure doesn't feel like it. I am married. Um, I have two girls. And their names are Lucia and Vienna. They are 10 and 8. And I've been married for about 11 years now. Did you always know you wanted to be a teacher? Uh, that's a funny story because that really will tap into this whole piece of like understanding myself now and those limiting beliefs that I had. But growing up, I always loved children. So... Mm -hmm. That was what I was drawn to. Um, my mom would call me the neighborhood gypsy because instead of going out and playing with the kids, which I did do as well, but majority of my time was spent going kind of from neighbor's house to neighbor's house that had small children. And I was known to just kind of knock on the door and join these moms while they were hanging out with their kiddos, raising their kids, like stay-at-home moms, giving them baths, feeding them. And I just thought it was the greatest thing ever. So I would come in and I would help them <laughs> uh, kind of do the daily things with their kiddos. I'm sure they were very grateful now as a mom thinking say, about oh a God. free babysitting. <laughs> yeah, what what an amazing thing to have yeah. you show up at the door. Hi, can I play with your kiddos? Can I just play with your kid for free? Yeah, can I feed them and give them baths? This is so fun. So yeah, that's sort of what I did throughout the neighborhood. When a new family would come in, I'd introduce myself and I would just be right at their house every day. So, you know, I knew I had a deep love for children. But when it came time to actually choose that as a career, 
I believe that in my mind, I did think that was all I was capable of. And that's, that's sad to say now, looking back at it, because I know now that I'm capable of so much more. And I was then, but that was the, mm-hmm. that was the track. That was the negative broken track that I played in my mind is that um, I wasn't very good at school at the time, Mm -hmm. um, to which now I know was an undiagnosed ADHD because I had the complete inability to focus and to study and to do well in school, but I had no idea that that's what it was. I just thought that, you know, in my mind, it was like, you're not very smart. You just, that's not for you. You're athletic, but you're not very smart. And so I put a lot of my energy into my um, sports you know, instead of actually studying because I had told myself I wasn't very good at it. So when it was time to actually choose a career, mm-hmm. I thought, what the hell am I going to do? Everybody has these grand plans for themselves, these big colleges with these big aspirations. And right. goals. To me, it was like, what can you do well? Will you like children? You should be a teacher. You should definitely try and be a teacher. But hey, don't go crazy, like stick it with elementary because you don't want someone knowing something you don't know. So if you're with the little ones, that's not gonna challenge you. You'll be able to handle that. And so that's on I went on this journey of let's get a degree in early childhood education. So that's where you thought that was the only place you could possibly be successful. Yeah, in my mind at that time, that is what I truly believed was all I was capable of doing. It's so hard, I think, and I still believe this for someone who is a teenager, you know, 16 years old, 17 years old to really choose a life career, you know, isn't it wild? It's crazy that we we have to know that at that age, you know, so what do you do? You look at, oh, what am I good at? What am I not good at? And that becomes as it did for you, your story. Right. You know, the first couple of years of college, I didn't do well. And so I was giving myself the evidence that my brain was looking for the truth Mm -hmm. of you're not very good at school. And then suddenly something clicked and I started to churn that around and do really well in school. And I ended up, um, you know, graduating with my undergrad with a 3.0 and then going back for my master's and end up graduating with almost a 4.0. So it wasn't that I wasn't capable. It was Mm -hmm. that I I had just had that negative self-talk that convinced me that Mm -hmm. I I had to keep looking for the evidence of, I'm not very good at this. Mm -hmm. Um, But once I figured out that I could, that Mm -hmm. really changed the way that I thought about myself. Yeah. So, so did you find a different way to learn that was more congruent with how your brain worked? I know you you, you realized you had a ADHD. I don't know when you figured that out, but you just, you started to, to learn differently. Yeah. I started to kind of find strategies for Mm -hmm. myself that I never knew I needed to do, which was be in a very quiet room when Mm -hmm. needing to learn and study, Mm -hmm. putting in earphones, like, but not playing anything, just blocking out any noise that would distract me, Mm -hmm. Um, being in a space where I would have limited visual stimuli so that I could truly focus on what I was ingesting. Um, And then when it came to being in the classroom, I had to sit in the very front because Mm -hmm. if I sat in the back, everybody in front Mm -hmm. of me was what I paid attention to instead of the actual teacher. So I really had to put myself directly in front of the teacher and focus solely on them in order to learn. So along the way, yeah, I figured out what I needed to do. But look at how old you were and look at how far you had to go to figure that out. Like, Thank God their radar is up to look out for kids with these kinds of problems now. Yeah. Earlier, you know, it's just, it's, it's, it's painful. Like as a mother to think that as a child, you had this learning difficulty and made just, you know, made yourself feel terrible about it. Yeah. Your whole school life that you had to, to go through that when today that would probably be picked up earlier and testing conditions would change and learning conditions would change. And I mean, we hope. Had I had something adaptive at that time where my, there were modifications for me, I probably could have been very successful in test taking. Yeah. But I, that's where I always, at the time in the past, I would bomb was the tests for sure, because it was so pressurized and there were yeah. so many distractions and I just couldn't focus right. enough to get through it. And intelligence is only measured academically then, not really in other, other ways. Yeah. Um, but look at, I don't know, just that piece alone, how that affected your life and your career choice and how you felt about yourself 
for decades. For sure. It's just very, very profound. All right. So you get out of school or out of college, you're feeling better about yourself, you know, <laughs> a little bit more about you and you start working as a teacher. And yes, um, I did. I got my dream job as a kindergarten teacher. That's all I wanted. And um, I got it and I loved it. I really mm-hmm. did. I loved working with the kiddos. Um, I had a great rapport at the school that I was at. I had a wonderful relationship with my principal and mm-hmm. vice principal um, my kids, I was successful, you know, I was, I was helping my kiddos. I worked in a high ESL community and I really did love my job. So where does the accidental photographer come in? I mean, (laughs) just, are you sailing along, enjoying work? Are you starting to feel like you're capable of more? Is there this something inside of you trying to crawl out? Like how did, no, it's so, it's so funny and, and ironic how it all worked out, but you know, I never, I never was able to find a medium that I was good at. Like I knew that I had a creative bone in my body, Mm -hmm. but I really couldn't figure out what it was. My husband is actually incredibly talented artistically. And so is my father-in-law. So I always tried to dabble in certain kinds of things like drawing and painting and whatever. Mm -hmm. And it was comical. Like I had the ideas, but it certainly didn't translate onto the paper. Mm -hmm. Um, In college, I thought it was ceramics. And so I pushed into that and it wasn't ceramics. You know, it was, it definitely wasn't. I enjoyed it, but I was not (laughs) very good at ceramics. And then, you know, Ironically, I have this teaching job and my husband and I decide that we're going to elope in Italy. And so previous to leaving, I thought, okay, we didn't hire a professional photographer because at the time in my mind, I believed that that was a very expensive service and that it wasn't necessary. And that if I bought a really great camera, because that's what photography is, right? Just somebody who has a beautiful camera that's very expensive. Um, that I could take beautiful pictures too. So I purchased my first uh, digital DSLR camera. And previous to that, I had never owned my own camera. I had Mm -hmm. throwaway Kodaks. Mm -hmm. You know, I didn't own anything like that. And uh, I brought it with us to Italy. And it was then that I started to tinker around with it. I mean, how do you not find beautiful things to take pictures of when you're in Italy? It's just so picturesque and gorgeous. And so it was there that I started to discover that I actually had a natural eye for composition mm. and that I really did enjoy learning more about how to take a better picture. And so when I came home three weeks later, I found out I'm pregnant. <laughs> I have a honeymoon baby. Oh my goodness. So oh, I, I thought, this is perfect. I'm going to document everything. I'm going to do her newborn photos when she's born. I'm going to document my maternity images and I'm going to do all of this on my own. This is going to be wonderful. And so I trained myself for that year, essentially waiting for her to come Mm -hmm. and getting better and better at my camera. And then once she came, I took pictures of her every day because I was just obsessed with photography um, at the time. And that led to more people asking you know, oh, these are beautiful pictures of your daughter who's taking them. And it was me. And so then slowly it was, can you take pictures of my daughter and my kids and my husband and I? And uh, I said, yes. And I did it for free because I wasn't trying to make a business at the time. It was just something fun that I did that I found like I was good at. So I was leaning into it. So it's filling that little creative hole you had, but you're not, you're not thinking at this point, I can do this instead of teaching. You're just, oh my gosh, not at all. So, so how do you transition from that? I mean, at some point you started to think, okay, maybe I could do this. Yeah. So in my mind, it was like, wow, this is now, this is a lot of people reaching out. Um, Mm -hmm. I, I should probably charge for this. Like this is, this is becoming a little bit like a job. So I don't know, 50 bucks, like here's me trying to figure out what the heck I'm supposed to be charging to do something like this. Have no idea. Never ran a business in my life. Have have no idea, you know, market-wise, even what everyone else is charging for something like this. I know nothing. So uh, I start charging like 50 bucks, 100 bucks and giving them a million photos and spending all this time editing at night and being really excited and fueled by this passion. But I was burning the wick at both ends. I was teaching Mm -hmm. all week and then I'd be a weekend warrior where I would go out and do all these images. And at night I was up late editing during the week and it started to become a 
okay, this is becoming a business. Um, well, well, plus you were a new mom, right? Yes. And, and I had a new baby. That goes <laughs> along with that. You know, that's right. enough right there. Plus right. you're working full time and doing this. Yeah. Well, so. a little bit about me. I thrive from chaos. Like I love to be busy, busy, busy. So that doesn't even, that didn't even really um, affect me as far as it being like, mm -hmm. oh, I have all these three things going on. It wasn't until it really started to be, I literally had no more time to put in. Yeah. I was just running. There wasn't enough hours in the day. All right. So that's a big jump though. I mean, that's, that had to take a lot of guts to say, I'm going to leave teaching and do this. Yeah, it wasn't until I was pregnant with my second daughter that I thought, oh man, what if I could, what if I could stay home with them? What if I could do this teach this uh, photography career and I can, you know, not be a teacher right now, just put it on the back burner, take these five years to be with my girls, get them to at least kindergarten and, mm -hmm. and back in school, but maybe I could stay home during this time. And that would be so wonderful. I'd have all this extra. <laughs> you could see my face extra time I thought um, to run my own business and do this on my own and not be a teacher and so I didn't return after my maternity after I had my my second daughter I just didn't go back such a struggle for moms I mean after you know for those of us that have one child we've gone through it but I can't imagine the desire to stay home and the pressure to feel like you need to stay home after having that second one you know, the plight of the working mom is like, it's like no other, you know, leaving your kids at home is very, very difficult. It was. And, and, and then, you know, there's that financial piece. You do we pay for childcare versus what yeah. am I going to be making? Is it right. worth it? And it's just such an ugly door that it, working it moms a, have to walk through. It's, it's a painful one. For sure. And it was a, it was a moment of, because I was a teacher too. And, you know, I remember saying this, it's like, I have these babies and I want to raise them the best that I can. I want to be there for them. I want to help teach them and educate them. And I want to be there to nurture them. But yet here I am teaching and loving on and nurturing these 25 kids that aren't mine while someone else is actually raising mine. And it was like, this is crazy. There like, you go. I remember the weird shift of like, I'd rather be doing this for my own kiddo. Why do, I, why do they deserve to be left behind now? And all of my love and everything is going in this direction. And, you know, that's the sacrifice that as a teacher too, that is being made for teachers is that they really are, they're, they're taking all of that love and putting it into these kiddos. And it, it is wonderful. Don't get me wrong. It is a wonderful feeling, especially for kids that don't have that from home mm -hmm. and they're looking for that from their teacher. So you ended up choosing your girls. And, I did. And so you're diving in full time now to photography mm -hmm. and this is real now. This is a business. It's no longer a hobby. That's um, right. Yeah. So, so tell Very us. Very expensive hobby. Yeah. <laughs> That must have been, it, it must have been frightening a little bit on a financial level. I mean, um, you know, you're oh, a good paying job to, yes. to go and do something that you're not really sure how it's going to turn out. That was a Tell lot of security yeah. to leave for mm -hmm. sure. Mm -hmm. You know, the security of getting a paycheck every week, the security of having mm -hmm. great health insurance, um, mm -hmm. a retirement plan, all of the things. And I thought to myself, if I could just make what I make, as a teacher, mm -hmm. I will be happy. Mm -hmm. If that's all that I do is just break even here after all the education I have and all the student loan debt that I've created, if I could just break even yearly, I would be a very happy person. It'll, it, it will have been worth it. Yes. Yeah. That was the pressure I put on myself that it had to equate for it to be worth it. Yeah. So what happened? Well, I just, I worked my butt off. I, I took everything on that I could in the meanwhile, you know, really kind of trying to figure out what it means to be a business owner, because I had no previous knowledge on that, mm -hmm. while also trying to improve my skills, because I had no formal education on photography. I didn't have somebody showing me the ropes. It was kind of piecemealing and a lot of reading on my own, a lot of tutorial watching, a lot of YouTube searching, mm -hmm. um, all of the things, right? Kind mm -hmm. of trial and error, figuring it out as I went along. And it started to be very successful. I started to create a name for myself. Um, at the time, the business name was Vita Bella Photography. And 
I was becoming known as the specialist in newborn photography in the Niagara region, which was great. That is exactly what I wanted. I loved newborn babies. I love newborn babies, but man, that job was really awesome to be able to hold these brand new babies, four to 10 days old, and these people trusting me with capturing these moments that were so fleeting that they would never get back. It really was an honor to do that. So that's what I did. Are you working more than full-time? It turned into a massive overworking, hustling and grinding situation where I literally was putting in, you know, anywhere from 60 to 80 hours a week, as opposed to my regular 40 as a teacher, which started to become a problem because I wasn't able at the time to juggle work-life balance Mm -hmm. because the pressure of making sure that I was making the money I needed to keep us afloat Mm -hmm. was more, it became a lot of just hustle and hustle and hustle and me really burning myself out constantly. It was a constant burnout situation. When you're working from home, you know, you don't have regular work hours. Most of us don't anyway, you know, we're finding pockets of time and it can, if you're not careful, that can turn into a real monster. Did you end up making the same money? Were you where you wanted to be? Was the, were you finding it was worthwhile or was the burnout just too overwhelming? No, I had never reached the number that I had left teaching Mm -hmm. for in photography, Mm -hmm. um, which was very discouraging Mm -hmm. because that was something that I told myself would be what was worth it. If I Mm -hmm. risked it all, if I Mm -hmm. took the chance, you know, I would have, and not only that, that I would gain time with my family, but Mm -hmm. that would be worth it. And so, yeah, burnout came. And when, especially with the realization that I could continue to keep working, 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 but I wasn't getting ahead because I wasn't structuring my business properly. And, you know, it took a long time for me to actually realize that. Yeah. Unfortunately, longer than I I had hoped, obviously. Um, but in the meantime, you know, there, I did have a partnership and we were shooting weddings too. So, uh, you know, as Vita Bella Photography, we were shooting 25 weddings a year and 150 portrait sessions a year. And so there was two of us going at it. Um, and so, yeah, it, it, it became a massive burnout situation for sure. Your bar was this financial. And so here you are burnt out and you're still not hitting the bar where you needed to be. So that must have been very very discouraging to be working that hard. Yes, you know, it was. Well, we can only be discouraged for so long and burnt out right. for so long before we collapse or something has to change. So what, what changed at that point? Uh, I was getting very frustrated with the burnout and not being able to reach these points that I needed financially. And so I thought, what am I doing? I, I should just go back to teaching. Why am I doing this to myself? You have this degree, it's sitting here. You mm-hmm. could have a steady paycheck. You could stop the hustle. You could stop the burnout. Like you should probably go back to this thing mm-hmm. that you know is going to be steady and secure. Go back. Mm-hmm. And so uh, I did, I applied and I started subbing and I went back, I started subbing and there created an opportunity for a long-term sub position. And I thought, I'm going to apply. I'm going to apply, right? In my mind, I have it all mapped out because, you know, I'm a, I'm a forward thinker always. And I, at the time, didn't have a lot of faith in just let it be and let's see what happens. I had a lot of expectation hangovers, let's just say, because mm-hmm. I had expectations that I thought were always going to happen. And when they didn't, it was very frustrating and defeating. So my expectation at the time was, I'm going to apply for this. I'm a great teacher. I'm a good interviewer. I'm going to be able to get this job. No problem. I thought I had it in the bag and lo and behold, I did not get the job and I was crushed, like really crushed because here's this back burner diploma that I thought was always going to be there. And I would Mm -hmm. never have a problem going and re-entering back into that had I ever needed it in my mind. That's what I thought. And so all of a sudden my safety net was pulled. And that was it. It, to me at the time, it was like, didn't even think about trying again to go do that. It was like, I was in such a place of depression and a realization of, holy cow, now what? Now what am I going to do? But you you were also mentally and probably physically beat up from that burnout you had created. So you weren't in a real clear mental space. And then you get this really 
really heavy news that yeah. you you don't get the job. That had to be like spirit crushing. Yes, to say the least. Yeah. It was a it was very gray for a long yeah. time. It made me really sad, but I felt like a lot of guilt of like you risked it all. Look what you did. You uh-huh. had to go for this photography thing. Had you stayed, you'd be tenured, you'd have this great job, sure. you would have no worries, you would have built up that retirement plan, like you could have had it all and you risked it, you know, almost like this guilty feeling for my family that I put us in a financial burden. And now look at here we are scraping by because the business is now, you know, Vita Bella at the time for me was like not the business that it was previous to that. I had, I was no longer doing the weddings anymore. I was moving into more of just doing like portraits every once in a while. Mm -hmm. Um, I really had put all my eggs in the basket for this teaching thing. And it didn't work out. And so now it's like, I let the business go. And now I don't have this teaching thing either. What am I going to do? Wow. So you were in a dark, dark space. And now I was in the place where I was like, Hey, Starbucks sounds great. I've always wanted to be a barista. (laughs) Like, just give me a job. Like I just need something right now. That's going to be a paycheck. So, so now you kind of are forced to go back to photography so an immense amount of pressure, I would imagine. Well, actually in my mind, it was like, I needed to get myself right because I could feel myself spinning out. My major focus at that time was get out of this depression, get out of this funk, get Mm -hmm. out of this constant anxiety, Mm -hmm. and you need to start putting the energy and the work into you. And so that's what I did. I started reading incessantly on lots of self-help books, listening Mm -hmm. to tons of podcasts and really trying to pull myself back up because I did not like what it looked like being depressed and sad and Mm -hmm. and frustrated. And I really desperately wanted to get out of that for my family, for myself. So that's what I did. I put all of my energy towards that. Um, And it wasn't until I was kind of floating around on Facebook and I saw an old friend that I had grown up with was leaning in the direction of entrepreneur, like teaching women how to basically find their purpose and to create their businesses, create the life that they dreamed of. And I found so much inspiration Mm -hmm. in her videos that uh, one day I just reached out and I Mm -hmm. said, I need Mm -hmm. your help to get me back on course here because Mm -hmm. I feel like I'm so inspired by what you're saying. And I want to get back that passion that I had for photography and really lean into something. Mm -hmm. Um, But I knew that it wasn't going to be weddings. And I knew that there was an older passion that that came. When I first started photography, one of the people that I had learned from was a women's portraiture, uh, a women's portrait photographer. And I admired her work and I loved everything that she spoke of. She was very inspiring and she taught you all of the different posing for women and how to work with women. And I thought, I always loved that. And I I never found an outlet for it, right? Because at the time it was like, you're a kid's photographer. Mm -hmm. This is your thing. This is what you marketed yourself as. There is no room now for you to start saying that you take pictures of women. So don't mess it up. Don't Mm -hmm. confuse people. Stay in your lane do children's photography. And so as we started to take on the weddings, I at least was able to use some of that knowledge I had learned from that professional about posing women with my brides. And I loved it. And then on the back end, we would do these like secret private boudoir sessions that we never marketed, we never advertised, but we did them on the back end for the brides to give as gifts for their husband. And I found that I had so much joy in doing those things, but that it wasn't something that I felt like I could pivot into because, well, number one, I had a partner. So in order for me to pivot, she had to be on board with the pivoting. And that was not her interest either. So, you know, at the time it was like, stay in your lane, do what you do well, don't mess it up. Just like you did when you were thinking about your teaching career. Exactly. Stay in your lane repeating itself. And so finally, with these conversations, now fast forward to this friend of mine, um, who was doing this coaching for entrepreneurs, she said, well, what is it that you think that you could do that would bring you joy again? If it's photography, then what direction do you find yourself being drawn to? And I shared with her this desire to work Mm -hmm. with women. But along with that came all of these limiting beliefs of 
I don't know if women would do this around here. I don't know if there's a market for this here. Maybe this is just for people in California, New York City, Miami, big cities. And by the way, in order for this to look this way, and in order for me to actually sustain a career Mm -hmm. doing something, my pricing structure has to look so different than it ever was. And so are people not going to accept that and say, hey, 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 that's not what you charged before. That's not what your business looked like previous to this. Why now do you think you deserve X amount of dollars? Who are you? Yeah. Who are you to charge these prices? And it was like, it was a complete reframing of the business, a, a complete restructuring financially of how it was going to be done in order for, not for me to be driving around in a Mercedes and taking vacation, in order for me to sustain the business properly, mm-hmm. to live, to, to not be worried mm-hmm. financially, to not have to hustle and burn out so that I could keep that energy, that passion mm-hmm. for photography because it was, I was creating a business model that allowed me to stay, mm-hmm. you know, invested in what I was doing, excited about what I was doing. And that's really what the change had to be. But it was a very scary change. It was a big pivot. Could you have done that without your coach? It would have taken me longer. That's why sure. coaches are so important because yeah. they can see the vision and they breathe truth back into you. And they give you that positive self-talk that you need and they stop the overthinking and they allow you to see what's possible. And so having a mentor is one of the best things I ever did. And I encourage anybody, no matter what status you're at, Mm -hmm. that a mentor always is going to continue to push you and propel you forward. It is so important. So coaching made made a big, big difference for you. And coaching um, breathed life back into me and showed me that it was possible and that I was doing it wrong. It was that your, your heart was there. Your desire was there. Your passion was there. Your talent was there, Mm -hmm. but also you were not, uh, you were not building your business properly. And in order to become sustainable, Mm -hmm. this is what this needs to look Mm -hmm. like. And so I agreed with that. And also there was a massive shift in what I was doing. All of a sudden it became about serving and less about the money, but that's where I saw the biggest change. And that is not what I expected. That is not what I planned for. It naturally evolved and it just feels so different this time around, because like you just said, I've lived in that place of depression, overthinking, negative self-talk, limiting beliefs, not taking the job, analysis paralysis, not doing anything out of being scared, mm-hmm. but then but then pushed through it and saw what the other side could look like and did it scared anyways, mm-hmm. right? Like did it scared. And so now these women who come in, it's like, I see me in a lot of these stories and it helps me and it helps them because I can continue to breathe life back into them the way that my coach breathed it back into me. Mm-hmm. And so by putting them on my set and, and taking these pictures of them in such a vulnerable space, that that's how I serve my community. I know that now, but I didn't know that then. I love how a coach can do that. I just, I guess, I, I don't know why we can't see that in ourselves and why we can't tie it all together for ourselves. And I don't know why it has to be that way. It's the negative self-talk. It's so damaging because your brain is always listening. And if your soundtrack in your brain is constantly telling yourself, you know, I, I always screw up. I'm broken. I'm stupid. This isn't working. Your brain starts to look for the evidence of that. And so in everything that you do, if there's evidence to prove it, you start to believe it even more. And so just by changing the way that you speak to yourself and stop speaking out of fear, but speaking out of love and saying, you know what? Yeah, that probably wasn't great, but I do plenty of great things during the day. And like, that doesn't define me. To say that to yourself instead, Mm -hmm. or to say in the past, I felt that way, but Mm -hmm. that is not who I am anymore. And I've done plenty of great things since then to be more gentle and to allow yourself the grace to be human. That's the part that it it helps you propel forward. 
when you can change that soundtrack that's broken inside. It's just so hard. It's so difficult to do. You know, it's so difficult to do. We compare ourselves constantly to people we know, you know, social media has done us no favors in that department. Exactly. Um, We don't believe in ourselves. We don't. And uh, we might see a little bit of a snippet of, hey, I'm really good at this, or I need to be kinder to myself. But Mm -hmm. it's, it's nothing that can propel us into doing something different a lot of the time. It takes why mindfulness is so important because if you don't listen to what is happening and you just keep stuffing it down and finding these things to distract you, you know, alcohol and drugs, sure. But even just scrolling mindlessly on Facebook and Instagram, Mm -hmm. get yourself to stop thinking about what you need to be thinking about to Mm -hmm. get yourself out of these feelings. You know, it's very easy to find things to derail you from doing the work to make yourself a better version of yourself. Those things are everywhere. So, so yeah, mindfulness is extremely important, but we're good at thinking the thought temporarily, but connecting that to actions or connecting that to a life shift is really hard. I think I, I love what your coach helped you do. I love that you knew you needed help. You reached out and you got it. And what, what you are doing now, and I alluded to this in your introduction, what you are doing now in your studio, you're concentrating on portraits for women for Mm -hmm. particular campaigns that you're running, but you're finding that you have so much more to offer women other than a photograph. And I can say this because I've been on the other side of your camera and I see that what you're doing is definitely coming from somewhere deep. You are really trying to help women reconnect with themselves. And it's amazing how a couple of hours in your studio spent with you can transform some of those beliefs for more than that snippet of a second and really empower a woman to feel good about herself in a a way that's going to bleed into the rest of her life, a way that she's going to take home and, and see herself as that woman on the other side of your camera in her home environment, in her work environment, and as a stronger, just more powerful human. I don't know. I just love, I'm having a hard time putting it into words. (laughs) You're so sweet. No, that was really touching. I appreciate that because that is what, that is what I hope is happening for everybody. And, you know, I'm getting really great feedback like that from the women. And that is just making me feel even more so like leaning in this direction, really pressing myself to push forward and find my purpose and really serving my community the best way I know how is paying off because it's not, it's not the pictures at the end of the day. Yes, you will have these pictures to remember it. But what I know now is my superpower is that all of that highly sensitive emotional stuff that I was going through, Mm -hmm. I am now able to use as my superpower to help other women break out of that as well. And so I don't think I could have done it without having all of that happen to me. So I'm not regretful of that journey because it taught me so much and it brought me to where I am now. And I hope that when women do step on my backdrop, that they are able to let go, be in the moment, feel special, feel confident, Mm -hmm. feel empowered and leave there walking out of that space, feeling a hell of a lot different than they did when they walked in. It's happening. Yeah, it's, Ugh, it makes me feel so good. Um, I want to read a couple of your client testimonials. This testimonial is on your website. And this young woman says, I can't even begin to describe the feeling that ensues when you step into the studio and your visions unravel onto Andrea's canvas. Amazing. The next one is from a woman who was photographed with her daughter's. Um, And she writes, my daughters and I had the best experience being photographed by Andrea, so much fun. And now we have the most beautiful pictures and memories that we will cherish forever. I look at this picture of this woman and her girls and I see strength and power and beauty. And this is not your average family portrait. There's just so much more going on in this photograph. 
This one says, Andrea is so professional and kind. She made me very comfortable and brought me out of my shell. To be able to do that for another person, to bring out what is what is hiding, to bring out what you know is under there in terms of their, their womanhood, their strength, their power. What a gift you have, Andrea. So tell us about the 40 over 40 campaign. So I, I offer women's portraits, period. So outside of campaigns, anyone can come at any time and book a session. And the nice thing about the way that I'm doing my sessions now is that I've created a really great experience above all. So I have a hair and makeup artist that is there waiting for my ladies. The second they walk in the door, we are doing extensive pre-consultation about outfits. Um, we are storyboarding how you want to be photographed, who you want to be photographed with, what's the feel of the session. It's so much more hand-holding and coddling than I've ever done, but I love it because I love to be coddled. So I love to coddle my clients and say, this is what we need to do. This is what, how we're gonna get you what you want. There's more conversation now with my clients previous to shooting that makes me really happy to get to know them and get to know their stories. Now I run campaigns periodically, or I plan to, I should say, because I've only ran one thus far, but it was, it was quite successful, which makes me happy. The campaign that I am, have been running since November, and I'm still running because I still have eight more women, is 40 over 40. So I set out to get 40 women um, who are 40 and older to come in front of my camera and allow me to photograph them, to get them the most gorgeous photo they've ever seen of themselves. And I allowed them to bring anyone they loved with them. They got professional hair and makeup done. They were able to wear as many outfits as they'd like and be photographed however they would like. My time was for them that day. And what happens with the campaign is, you know, at the end, they, they come back for a reveal. They pick out what they would like for themselves. But I, in the end of all of this, uh, once I finish everything in June, I will be creating this beautiful magazine that will have one photo of each of the women who participated. And it'll have a little, little synopsis of why they did this for themselves, what they've learned in these 40 years plus in their life, uh, you know, what the advice they would give to a 20 year old, 30 year old woman. Mm -hmm. And I think it can be, I think this book and this magazine is going to be really powerful. And then my plan is I'm going to have an art exhibit. So I'm going to have a photo of every woman that participated up on the wall. And I'm going to have a little champagne party and we're going to all come together in one space at one time and celebrate each other. And I can't tell you how excited I am for that. I just think it's going to be so powerful. Did you expect to be this to be such a um, such a beyond the photograph thing? No, because the connection <laughs> you're making with women. Quick is, answer. No, yeah. I didn't. <clears throat> I really, I, I believed fully in what I was doing. Mm -hmm. I knew that I, I had great poses, great lighting. Yes. I knew I knew how to retouch an image and make it look beautiful. Did I think that what I actually was doing for women on that backdrop was more than taking a picture for them? I didn't know it until I started yeah. it mm -hmm. because I didn't realize mm -hmm. the impact that it was going to have. And so now I just say like the, the cherry on top are the pictures, but it's not the experience. The experience is what you get, how you feel in yes. the moment. The, the experience is how amazing you feel done up on that backdrop and how I can pull and elicit this emotion to almost connect with people on yeah. a soul level and not just a photograph level, right? Yeah. Like there's something that happens there. And there's a moment when I'm looking through my lens and I can see that a woman is just, they're there. They're, they're mentally there. They're ready. They turn and look at me and there's something in their eyes that is completely different than it was when they first stepped on my backdrop. There is a and moment it, that that happens, happens every time. Yes. I yeah. remember exactly the moment that that happened while you were photographing me where you said, there you are. It's like, right. Because it, I feel it. It yes. is, it is a moment of just being seen and allowing yeah. yourself to be mm -hmm. in it and experience it and to be open to whatever it is I'm asking you to do and stop resisting and fighting just being the authentic version of yourself. And all of a sudden I can feel it. And I say yeah. every time, 
I, it, when it happens, I say it because I can't yeah. not. Yeah. It's so profound that I have to say to somebody, there it is. There you are. Yes. You've shown up to play today. Let's yeah. go. Now we're ready. Yeah. It was an amazing experience. It really was. And, and again, it, it wasn't about the pictures. Like I can't wait to see them, but what happened in that studio that day with, with you and me and my guest was beyond the photograph for sure. It felt amazing. I'm coming back. (laughs) (laughs) You want to know what's funny is like two things that are really cool. So I have a woman who came, who called to do the 40 over 40. And she said, I've never been professionally photographed. I've never had my hair professionally done, my makeup professionally done. This is way out of my comfort zone. I am not the weight that I want to be, but I'm coming and I'm going to do it. And by the end, I mean, she came back, she bought every image. She loved everything. She was just like, oh my God. She said, I finally feel like I see what everyone else has been telling me they see. And she's like, finally, I see it on this wall. And it was such an awesome moment for her to see it. And she's crying. It was just so emotional. And here we are. We haven't even finished up the 40 over 40 campaign. Um, We haven't had the exhibit. And she just booked last week for a second shoot. And it's like, yes, right? Like, yes, she loved it so much. It made her feel so good that now she's like, I got this. Like, I'm ready now to come back and do it again. It hasn't even been two months. So, you know, that makes me so happy to hear that, that now she broke Mm -hmm. down those barriers Mm -hmm. so far Mm -hmm. that she would do it again this soon. And another really cool thing that happened the other day is I ran into a man a husband of a wife that I had photographed. Mm-hmm. And he he took the time to say to me, what you did for my wife, I'm so appreciative of. She walked back in this house after that session. I mean, yes, she had a great time, but she feels so much better. She needed that. She needed a moment to feel seen and heard. She needed that moment to step on that backdrop and to feel beautiful and to regain the confidence that she had lost. And I want to thank you for giving her that. That's it. Wow. Fun. Yeah. From a husband. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You don't hear that often yeah. from the man's side. Usually the men are like, what'd you go do? And how much did you spend? But he could see the value in it so much more yeah. than that. I love that you evolved along with this project, that you, you found out more about you during this project. You know, I did. You realized your gift. Appreciate you bringing me on and allowing me to share my story and speak a little bit about this journey that I've had. And you're right. I just wanted to touch base on that back where you said it's changed me along the way. It's helped me. It has. It's shaped my story. It's changed my vision. Mm-hmm. It's changed my my thought process on moving forward and evolving. And that's okay. And I'm open to change now where I used to heavily resist it. And now, you know, my new outlook on life is so awesomely matched by meeting these women who just keep teaching me something new every single time I have a session. Yeah. And I'm not just helping them, they're helping me. Yeah. And that's really cool. Tell us what's next for you. Well, the next campaign that I'm in the process of um, launching is called the Warrior Campaign. And so this new campaign is not age defied, right? It's not 40 and over. It's women of all ages who've been through hard things. And I really wanted to lean into this because I believe that there's so much power in sharing your story and that your vulnerability and your ability to step in authentically and lean into your hard thing when you're on the other side of it, how that can be so transformative for someone that hears your story. And so I felt like, let's take this deeper. Let's take this to where I know I want to be with these kind of campaigns. Mm -hmm. 40 over 40 is beautiful. Don't get me wrong. There's so much power in the grace of aging, for sure. There's a lot there, but this warrior campaign, it resonates with me on such Mm -hmm. a deep level because every one of us have been called to battle at some point in our lives. Every one of us has a story Mm -hmm. where we would be considered a warrior. And I'm not talking just these you know, heart-wrenching, horrible stories that happen that people see themselves on the other side of, those are important, right? They are, but so are the little ones. Those little battles of just 
I was suffering from anorexia or bulimia and I saw myself out the other side. Mm -hmm. I was depressed and had debilitating anxiety and I saw myself on the other side. Mm -hmm. And now I'm, I feel confident enough to share that story, to give hope to the next person of what is possible. It's possible to see yourself through, right? And I just feel like those stories for the women who are ready to share, I want to be able to not only encapsulate that, that for them in a photo, yeah. but yeah. to give them a place to speak about it and to talk about it. Yeah. It's so important. I can't wait to see how you're going to do this. I just, I just can't wait to see how it all unfolds, this project. Yeah. Um, there's so much power in our stories. Um, yeah. I know there are people listening who are going to want to know how to get in touch with you. So can you give us some contact information? And, and I will also put it on the podcast description. Sure. Well, you can reach out to me through my inquiry tab on my website, which is andreacastrino.com. If you don't go there, you could always reach out to me on Instagram, which is andreacastrino and co. That's where I share all of my recent work. And I do a couple of lives on there once in a while. Um, I also have a business page on Facebook, Andrew Castrino and Co. Um, and I have a VIP page, which I think is really the, the part that I love. That, that VIP page is just about 300 women strong at this moment. It's a community that I've created of women that are like-minded, that are looking to feel supported, look for inspiration, and also learn a little bit more about the behind the scenes of what it takes to get these pictures and a uh, little bit of inspiration for me and guidance of how to prepare for things like this. So that's VIP Andrew Castrino and Co on Facebook. And that's me. That's, that's the place I love to be the most. That's where I spend my most time now. Yeah. And I see you sharing so much more than the photography stuff. I love that you realize that your voice is really important and what you have to say about, you know, your journey and the inspirational messages you have for the rest of us. I love that you're putting them out there. It's cathartic. You it's, know, it, it, it's really helpful to my soul to be able to speak my truth and to even discover new things about myself um, along the way. And it feel like by showing the women that I'm not perfect, that I show up messy, that I, you know, that momentum is scary, but that you can do it, I think allows them and gives them permission to try for themselves yeah. as well. And I think that it's really important that it's not curated. It's very raw. It's yeah. super authentic. It's very vulnerable. And I, I can't think of a better way to show women that it's okay to just come as you are. Yeah, I agree. I agree wholeheartedly. Andrea, I want to say congratulations to you on arriving at this important moment in your life. I hope you take a moment to, to just sit in the wonder of it all and just realize that you're doing something really amazing. And thank you for being so generous to share everything that you did with my listeners today. Sorry, I super appreciate it. Not only being somebody who's been supportive of the journey, but also a participant. I listen to all of your podcasts and I think that it's so wonderful that you give a space and an opportunity for women to tell their stories. Thank you. And thanks again for being here today. All right, This Girl Puts Out is officially signing off. Thanks for tuning in. If you enjoyed today's episode, please subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. And for more stories about real-life women, visit thisgirlputsout.com.